Welcome to episode 417 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, January 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? Oh, very good. I'm trying to settle into my various new jobs. We got, um, oh, let me let me use this as free advertising for my own yes, other crap. Do so. Why don't I do that? Uh, I've got a launch party in New York on January 26th at Three's Brewing for the new website October and uh, we're going to have uh, a butcher is going to be there a famous butcher from I think Meat Hook is what it's called he's going to be there on the panel with me a brewer from Threes is going to be on the panel and I'm going to be on the panel and we're going to talk about pairings and pairing beer with different things I'll probably talk about pairing beer with baseball and then afterwards, uh, the guy from the National is going to do a DJ set, and we're all going to eat Whoa. sausages and drink beer together. So That sounds pretty great. And when is that again? That's January 26th. That's Thursday, January 26th at Threes in Brooklyn in New York. The, there are about 150 spots. I, don't, I think it's free for the general public. You have to pay for your beer and stuff. But uh, the, the 150 spots is like seems like a lot, and then – if there's a line, then it's not. So I have no idea. I'd, I'd show up around the time that it starts. Yeah, 150 sounds like a lot until you think, depending on the size of the place, it can, it can happen quickly. Yeah. Especially with Eno's you know, going to be there, y'all. So <laughs> Oh, you better get there real early. <laughs> better get there. You know what? Might want to start camping out maybe two days before. Just saying. I'm just saying. Well, that sounds great. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we got plenty of baseball to talk about. It's been It's been about a week since you and I talked. Jason and I had to take off for uh, his travels, so there's there's been some news. There's been some stuff. There's small trades, but a ton of them. Jerry Depoto is single-handedly keeping this podcast afloat <laughs> in transactions. Thank you, Jerry. You you. Whenever we need something, he, he's got a trade. Like he just brought all. He chopped all this wood outside for the hot stove, and he just wants to keep throwing it on. They're like, no, Jerry, the flame's not really going down there. I don't care. Boom, throws another log. And they're not huge logs, but he keeps throwing them on. So we got plenty of Seattle trades to talk about. Uh, I got a question of the day for you in a second. We're going to break down the Yankees, and we have an email. So action-packed show, going to be a little bit longer to kind of make up for the fact that uh, it's been a week in between episodes. I want to start with the question of the day for you. It looks like the Dodgers and Twins are at an impasse for Brian Dozier. So my question to you is very simple. Will Brian Dozier be dealt this winter? Yeah, I, I think that the Twins are probably asking for Bellinger. You know they they want that's what I've heard. They want Bellinger and De Leon. De Leon. I don't know. I think I think he gets traded, and you know this gets figured out. Uh, I think that there's a little bit more value to a guy with two seasons than you would get from a, a season and a quarter. There's a, you always get more value when you trade a guy in season. You know if because things are equal, yeah, because you know your teams. But the Dodgers right now know they're going to be good. I mean. "Quote unquote," no. I mean, things could fall apart, but sure. but they're they're projected to actually have either the top or second. Yeah, I think they're actually projected right now to have the top wins total in the league right now. So in baseball, so they they know they're a good team, and and it's it's more useful for them to have two years of Dozier than it is to have a year and a quarter. You, for fifteen mil combined, like six six and nine mil for the two years. Yeah, that's that's there's a lot of, of surplus value there. And um, with the number of pitchers they have, you know, De Leon, 
I just don't think it. I, I think they don't want to give up Bellinger, and I think I agree with that. Bellinger. The Hank. We watched him. We loved him. It was a little bit all or nothing and sort of nuts to watch because he's he's just hitting, trying to hit home runs every time. But that might have been a function of being at the AFL All Star Game. So, you know, that's- I kind of think so. Some of the swings that he took certainly made it look like that. Although then we did hear uh, from one analyst that he does kind of do that a lot, maybe in season as well. That could be okay. It's a, that ma- that makes plus bat speed and yeah, it definitely yep. is the kind of swing that's going to hit home runs. And he's more athletic. He wasn't missing the ball. Yeah. He was just hitting some of them like 450 feet foul. Like he was just missing home runs, and then he hit home runs. Like it, it was impressive. I see why he they've got their eyes set on him, but they want him and DeLeon. I happen to think that Brian Dozier would be worth that pair i think that's actually lines up as a good trade maybe they need to figure something out where they can balance the scales back a little bit more for for uh for the dodgers but i wouldn't i wouldn't go too crazy i mean you are giving them a 30 year old second baseman coming off of a fantastic season even if he reverts back to his previous couple seasons you're still talking about a plus guy you know about 10 to 14 percent higher than league average in terms of uh, ops plus i think he'd be a nice fit in that dodger lineup I tend to agree with you. I, th- I still think Dozier will get dealt despite this impasse. It's an impasse. It's not their talks are over and, and 100% done. So I think we'll see something. Yeah. yeah, and I, and I actually, I'm a little bit on the other side. I think I would not part with Bellinger, and I would at least be trying, you know, as hard as I can, when this seems to be trying as hard as you can, to, you know, do De Leon and something else, even if it's another bat or just something. Well, they've got more. Yeah. That's the beauty, like. Would you do Calhoun then, Willie? Yeah, Calhoun? in a second. And another I, guy we saw. And, and I think that if I were the Twins, I think that Calhoun. We saw Calhoun. You know, good bat. What's the position? I think the Twins are just the kind of team that can try that. You know, and well, and he could be the actual second base fill-in because that's currently where he plays. He's not set. Like I, I don't think that the scouts have said that he's 100 percent set at second base. He could kind of move around, but the bat is. The bat plays. Willie Calhoun's bat was impressive. We saw some impressive Dodgers down in Arizona between Bellinger and Calhoun. Yeah, play, play Calhoun. Play Calhoun for the first couple of years to see if he is not a second baseman, and and then move him around and figure things out. I, I would if it was Cal, if Calhoun and DeLeon was the was the offer, I'd take it. So anyway, I think it'll happen, and then we can move on to the trades that actually did happen. Yes, let's talk about some some real moves that have happened. Let's start with the Gerard Dyson Nate Carnes trade between Seattle and Kansas City a one-to-one deal here we, we talked about this when uh, Wade Davis got dealt that we didn't think that KC would be done because they have so many guys coming off the the books this year they don't want to be stuck with this with this like mass uh, departure mass exodus of players all at once they kind of want to get some talent for it get some get some guys that they can have get some team control and, you know, they're not moving the big ones yet because obviously they want to see what they can do with those guys like Hosmer and Moustakis and Alcides Escobar, who is their uh, their big defender up the middle. But Gerard Dyson did seem movable. He is going into his free agent year here. So they got Nate Carnes, who I believe they're going to have for three years of team control. It's an interesting deal. It looks like the Mariners plan to really give Gerard Dyson some playing time. By the way, you and I were talking off air before we started I think we came to the conclusion that Gerard Dyson was a righty. He's not. He bats left-handed. But, but yeah, it, that's still the problem. Gotten, he's never gotten a lot of playing time. 337 plate appearances last year was his career high. I think there's got to be a reason for that. He puts up some decent batting averages and plenty of stolen bases, but he never gets that, that major playing time, I think, because the bat 
is not that good. And I think he's going to get a chance at 450 plate appearances here in Seattle, uh, at least on the strong side of a platoon, perhaps with like a, a Danny Valencia. Um, trying to think of who else. I still think that there's a chance they could bring back like a Franklin Gutierrez. They've got Mitch Hanniger out there, although I think he, he's going to be starting. Either way, it looks like it's going to be a platoon. Does Draw Dyson get exposed with, uh, you know, 400-plus plate appearances? Uh, you know, I don't think – I'm not sure they'll give it to him. I, uh, okay. Because – By the way, exposed exposed meaning like – Yeah, you know, and they're not going to take his clothes off. Yeah, exposed <laughs> meaning – you don't get a jersey, dude. You got two thirty. You got to go up there shirtless. Um, and if you don't get three hits today, no pants tomorrow, dude. No, I, I'm I'm just not sure. I don't know. You you know, it's 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 folly to look too closely into into observed platoon splits, and you normally want to regress heavily. But when a team is given a guy uh, eleven hundred, no, twelve hundred, nearly thirteen hundred plate appearances against righties and two hundred and seventy eight against lefties. And in those 278 plate appearances, Gerard Dyson has 11, 11 extra base hits over his career. Sweet. Sweet. That's a point oh. Is it an O? Is there another O in there? No. <laughs> that would be great. Point oh five four. Still one of the lower ISOs I've ever seen. Point I've. It's pretty bad. Four ISO. A 65 weighted runs created plus against lefties. This is a team that likes to uh, platoon. And I think this is a team that likes Ben Gamble, even though nobody knows who he is. Um, he he does. Is he related to Matt Gamble? Do you remember that guy? I think I think he might be. Oh, ben Gamble's a lefty. Oh, see Noonan. They got too many lefties. G- they traded one. We're going to talk about another lefty Guillermo that they traded. Heredia maybe is a righty. Oh, and I I I really I know who Ben Gamble is. I don't know who. The uh, Guillermo Heredia is. Oh well, I think we, our I think we, our depth charts have this a little weird because we have all the lefties in left field and all the righties in right field. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's much more likely that Danny Valencia platoons with um, you know with Gerard Dyson and Ben Gamble platoons with uh, Mitch Hanniger, but I, I think I might put Gamble with Hanniger because I think they want Hanniger to be the full time guy. And, and and Valencia, I think Dyson is probably I, what I'm, my argument today is that Dyson has proven himself to be a platoon guy. So you bring in uh, Valencia, who's also a proven platoon guy. You platoon them in left field, and and Valencia gets extra uh, abs in DH and first base. First base. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway, I think that that works. So how many stolen bases? Playing time. I mean, it's a little bit more, if he's healthy at least, it's a little bit more established. I mean, I think there were times when Dyson in Kansas City was not even really a full-time platoon guy. You know, it was kind of no, I agree. like almost a fourth, fifth, fourth outfielder defensive yeah, replacement. replacement guy. So I think now he's going to be, you know, I think he'll probably get to a career high in play appearances. Yeah, I think 400, 450 or so probably want to regress that batting average because it if he does play more often that means he's going to be left in against some lefties the late late in games uh maybe even defensive replacement with a lefty on the mound still so you know i think i would i think i believe in that sort of 260 batting average but he's gonna fly How many sbs then he's still gonna fly i think it'll be a career high in stolen basis 37 38 maybe 40 uh Ooh, it's kind of the kind of stuff that, that we saw out of rajai davis before where 
you know, you hold your nose and you take him at the end of a draft, but you, you end up getting, you know, $5 of value or whatever out of the guy. Now, let me say this. Uh, let me devil's advocate a little bit here. Career best contact rate last year, just 12% strikeouts for Jod Dyson. His, his walk rate for, for a guy like him, who's, who you can knock the bat out of his hands, has always been pretty good. It was 8% last year, 7.7 to be precise, 8.2 for his career. That's not bad for a guy who, again, does, is not a power threat. If the new contact rate is real, is there a real chance of, hey, cut? kind of a age 32 breakout for lack of a better word where he hits 280 and steals 45 bags like what is the what, what percentage likelihood would you put on something like that for draw dyson atop that lineup because that's a solid lineup too because if he starts doing that now we're talking about a run scored asset as well because the obp would probably be closer to 350 and you got segura cano cruz seager driving you in after that it's possible. I mean, it's it's possibly it's possibly a little bit more possible, if uh, possibly, Ben Gamble is nothing, and brother brother of Matt by the way did nice, did look at nice it. and Mitch Haniger could be nothing. These are this is an outfield in flux. Mitch Haniger made I think a good made point. some changes to his swing and and so we think he has a little bit more power than he showed in the past and I think that's partially why the Mariners traded for him. And so there is something to like about Mitch Haniger and Ben Gamble has certain things to like about him, but they're both uh, lesser known quantities than Gerard Dyson. And, uh, you know, the the contact rate is nice because it's also supported by the best zone swing rate of his career. So he's finally paired. He didn't ever really reach. That's one thing that he's been good at. And I think that's why he's had those good walk rates. But this year he was finally aggressive in the zone in a way you hadn't seen before. So, you know, that's a, that's a way to mature your process, at least, is, is, you know, sometimes people are too passive in and out of the zone, and sometimes, sure. you know, so that, that all argues in your favor, but the, the big number that argues against you is 32. Yep. It's just the wrong number, and I thought it was, like, even until I, I scrolled up, I thought he was, like, 27. He's just spent a long it, time getting here. It feels like it, because... I mean, you you look at his the way he plays. He certainly plays like a young man mm-hmm. uh, out there in the out. Excellent outfielder, speed first. The speed hasn't really waned, so you totally feel that way. Thirty two, you rarely kind of revamp yourself as a hitter, but maybe this is what he needs. Maybe he's that late bloomer breakout. I think some people will bet on him, hoping for that. Uh, I lean I lean closer toward what we were saying earlier of uh, that maybe he gets a little bit exposed. I'm not a huge fan of, of the speed only rabbits, so. If it comes between the two, I think they'll probably – if there is some hype for draw dice, I think they'll end up going similarly between he and Rajay Davis. And we already discussed last episode that we're kind of more toward Rajay Davis, and I still am between these two for sure. Yeah, even though he's got the wrong side hand. Exactly. Between the two, I think, um, me, Rajay Davis is a righty, but I think Oakland trusts him more. Let me do a little would you rather because uh, somebody asked me in my chat today, late steals. Okay. Okay. Would you rather? Dun, 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 dun. Would you rather? Yeah, would you rather <laughs> Travis Jankowski, Jose Peraza, Tim Anderson. I'm going to throw those these little throw-ins here at the end. Tim Anderson, Roman Quinn, Manny Margot, 
Let's throw in Dyson and, and Rajai. I'm going to eliminate Someone... Peraza only because I think he's going to go higher. I think there's going to be big buzz on him. You look at his it sample last there. year, it was pretty good. Especially if Phillips gonna, is gone, has... if Phillips is gone by then. Exactly. So I, I think he's going to get inflated among the group and kind of set himself apart. So focusing on the others here, man, Travis Jankowski, not a good hitter. No, he's but he's got a full can't... season projection of about a win. And that's with decent defense, hit. yeah. He's a, he's a fielder only. I think that's so uh, risky. I mean, even for a team like yeah, the Padres, they can they can play a guy for a full year and get a win and then decide. Yeah, but, to, but even the, they, they got yeah, Alex Dickerson. Yeah, and they have Margot, much better hit. You know. Yeah, they they can keep Margot in center, and if Jankowski isn't hitting, yeah, the defense is great. But I think you want to get Alex Dickerson in there. So I think Alex Dickerson, even though they're both lefties, is a threat to Jankowski's playing time if he doesn't hit. So, in a similar way, Quinn, right? It's almost the same thing. Quinn is not the greatest hitter. And they've got Odebell, yep, Doobie. They've got him in center. And so, if you're gonna if you're gonna play Roman Quinn, and he's gonna be a one war war player, then you're gonna look to improve on that quickly because I think the Phils are even a year or two closer than than the Padres. So, you know, if if Quinn doesn't work out, they move on. So, or if they be, Quinn becomes a fourth outfielder. So. I don't know. It's. I think that I might, uh, you know, go towards the veterans in this case, even though veterans, you know, bet, banking on them for steals, especially guys who've been platooned their whole lives, like Rajai, and and Dyson, you know. Oh, and Rajai is like legit old, right? Isn't he like thirty yeah, six? But I'm still. I think I'm still picking him out of this group. Tim Anderson is an intriguing one. He actually showed some punch too. I think he hit like eight Plays homers. The best and it's not. He's a shortstop, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's a prospect. All right, so we're, we're, some... we're, yeah, we're putting Peraza first. Yes. And I think we're both actually going to maybe put Dyson and Rajai next, and then we're probably going to go Anderson after that. Correct. And then, then you've got sort of a grab bag of, you know, if you throw Keon Broxton in there if you want. And, you know. If you believe in Broxton's big month, yeah. you, you, maybe you can get him up there because he's, th- he's giving you some power with that speed. Raul Mondesi Jr. is projected for 30 steals. Ooh, is he? So he's going to have some full-time PT. What, so here's one. I'm going to throw yeah, another one so in there. Yeah, so dependent on playing time because he's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw one from that team. Mm-hmm. Does the Gerard Dyson trade, did they trade him, A, because of his contract coming up, but also because they said we have another version of him in the form of Billy Burns. Yeah. And remember what Billy Burns did two years ago. Can he recapture that? He, he was a pretty solid fantasy asset two years ago to the point where he was being pretty highly drafted last year. And he was a total flop for Oakland after that. Uh, after 125 games, 20, 26 stolen bases, five homers, 294 average in 555 plate appearances. Then last year, 332 plate appearances, 235 average, just 17 steals, and not a single homer. Um, he's only going to be 27, not super old, but not, not major growth young either. Is that a guy that, that could benefit from this Gerard Dyson deal? I think maybe our depth charts are penalizing Burns too much because they have Paolo Orlando as the starter in right field. Okay. Possibly because of Jorge Soler's right-handedness. And, and they have Jorge Soler starting at They have DH. Jorge Soler starting at DH, and I don't think that's going to be how the season starts. This The Royals seem like a prime candidate to sign. I don't know if it's Trumbo or whatever, but you know, down the list there's 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 more sluggers. They they allege to be wanting to put Chesler Cuthbert at DH too. I believe I read something on that recently. 
So then it would be uh, Gordon, Kane, and Soleil now, in the outfield. I'll tell you who they're going to sign. They're going to sign Luis Valbuena to be their DH. Or Oh, my God, you're so right. Or Brandon Moss. Yep, it's not going to be the top tier of those sluggers that are left. It's going to be one of those. I think you're right. Uh, you know, that's what they did with Morales. You know, they they bought him low. They did a good job on that. So uh, I think they'll do that again. And what you'll find is Jorge Soler, Jorge Soler is the starting right fielder. Paolo Orlando is the fourth outfielder. And Billy Burns is the fifth outfielder. So I guess in the end, we're not penalizing too harshly uh, on our depth okay. charts because that's sort of where we have them. However, however. However, Stephen A. Stephen A, boys. However, um, Palo Orlando is not very good. And he's, he's 31. Right. And, and I'm tired of hearing how good he is. Yeah. People, I, I think people got fooled. Like, he had a pretty good run last year at some point, right? Uh, 302 average for a 440, 484 play percent appearances. walk rate against a 22% strikeout rate. And. 27, 27 point difference between batting average and OBP. Yeah, and a 380. Babbitt last year doesn't. Yeah, he'd have to explosive. be hitting. He had to be hitting every ball ninety-five miles an hour, and he wasn't. So, yeah, I I, uh, I think that there is some opportunity there. Probably, it might take a while. But um, if I was on a super deep super deep dynasty, I would think about Billy Burns. I would, uh, okay. you know, draft him late. What was All the other part uh, of that? The other part of that was Nate Carnes. I can be Nate Carnes. I can be quick about this one because I wrote him up. And the big thing was Nate Carnes lost rise and spin on his fastball. His changeup and curve were about the same as they ever were, but because he lost rise and spin on the fastball, everything fell apart a little bit because everything sort of plays off your fastball. I was going to say, you don't really want that when you're not working from a big margin to begin with. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's unhopeful. That is not good. The hopeful part of that is that there is an injury thing and it's it's the injury itself is hopeful in that it's not an arm injury it was his back and it's not hopeful in that back injuries suck backs linger yeah so the the hopeful version of this is he either gets back his spin or he gets back his 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 release point dropped so either he gets his release point back up and uses more of his spin and gets that rise back or uh Best case scenario, he gets the release point back up and he gets the spin back up once the, the back is better. Um, there's some evidence that that is possible, but I don't think he'll be all the way back to to Seattle, Carnes. Is he is he starter or reliever? The changeup is good enough. The changeup just looked worse last year because he'd lost rise. So, you know, the changeup did the same thing, but he lost an inch and a half of rise. So that means the changeup looked an inch and a half worse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it's all dependent on that fastball. If he gets that fastball back up uh, to 11 inches, you know, 11 inches a ride, then then he's going to be good again. I, I think Carnes. I'd rather buy him in uh, deep leagues. I don't think that I am uh, all over that in mixed leagues. It's sort of, I mean, Ian Kennedy did figure it out, and Dave Island is pretty good at ra- ra- raising that arm slot. Okay, It's something he does with a lot of his pitchers. Um, but you know, just look at the projections, even with a good strikeout rate, the projections want him to have a ERA of 4.25 and a whip of 133 and it's 91 innings pitched, which means he's projected to spend some time, uh, either on the Schneider swingman. Yeah. In the bullpen. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd use that as a baseline with some hopeful, 
hopeful aspect also. He's top 30 in strikeouts minus walks um, since 2015 started. So, and that's among starters. So I think there's, there's something to like about him, but uh, I'd rather buy him an ale only for three to five bucks um, than, than to, uh, even a dollar in a mixed league. I think he's probably in that 90 range, you know, of pitchers, top 100, but not, not really top 75. Yeah, and I don't think Carnes has a guaranteed rotation spot coming into spring. He would have to take it, um, maybe from like a Matt Strom or something like that. Who, who like Duffy Kennedy, really exciting stuff, you know, Strom. Exactly. Um, Duffy Kennedy, Vargas Ventura, healthy Mike kind Miner, of, you know. So. Oh, and I forgot about Mike Miner. Yeah, he could be there too. If Kyle Zimmer blows the doors off the hinges, you know, he probably goes to the minor leagues first. But um, if he's healthy and does what you know, everyone thinks he can do, then, you know, he could, he could be up soon. So yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather pay for 90, hundred innings of okayness and then, uh, and get lucky after that. I didn't put this trade on the, uh, uh on the sheet. Cause I basically, I kind of forgot about it. So I'm going to get your <laughs> quick thoughts on Seth, Seth Smith. Easy for me to say for Giovanni Gallardo. And I really only care what you think about Seth Smith in Baltimore because I, I don't care about Yavani Gallardo in any league format. And yeah, he gets to leave Camden, but I don't think that the park was it. I think it was the talent or lack thereof. So I'm, if you want to say something about him, feel free. But I'm really focused on Seth Smith. Is he a $1, $2 guy in AL only on, on the strong side of a platoon? Do you see something like that for him in Baltimore? Are they going to play him? It, what, what is that thing called? It's like a PFFTB. Like, you know, what's that? Is it like a raspberry? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's Giovanni Gallardo. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he used to, used to have some stuff. Seth Smith, I think, will be undervalued and will be very useful in AL only. I don't think I really want to, you know, spend the headache of moving him in and out of the lineup to get, you know, 20 homers or whatever next year. But, uh, you know, it's been forever since he was a Rocky and he had back then he had a 200 ISO. I think it's not not crazy to, to give him back a 200 ISO. And that would okay. be 20 home runs in, in 450 to 500 plate appearances. Um, useful, useful. You know, it's it's going to be interesting how I value him in a thing like AL Labor, which a lot of AL only leagues are you know, weekly, you know, set and leave kind of leagues. So I don't know, you know, you, you will have to, you will get penalized by, you know, taking him out early and missing games and, and all that. Uh, so there is, there, let's try to think about the lefties that he could face. Boston, obviously very problematic. If they're on the slate, yeah. you really don't want to start him there because uh, they've got at least three left. But in labor, you're not even and, allowed to take a guy out. Like you, you have to put him in. If, exactly. So if you're back, in a league where you're not going to be able to adjust to Seth Smith, he, he takes a little dang. I think then he's more like, a, oh, no one else is buying him. Fine, I'll get him for two, three ducks. You know that, like, yep. you know, I think that's fair. it's useful because in those leagues, like AL only, twelve team AL labor, it, it, you're starting sixty outfielders, and there are oh fifteen God. teams <laughs> in the AL. Yeah. So there's forty five so starting like forty five starting outfielders. So you need Seth Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you love Seth Smith if you're in a 12 team AL only. I get yeah, that part. Yeah. Uh, it'd be ideal if you could have some maneuverability, though. I know a lot of AL only leagues, uh, single leagues, 
don't necessarily have the daily lineup sort of stuff because there's not going to usually be the depth. So you might just kind of have to take it on the chin. And if they've got, you know, a three-game set that you like followed by a, a three-game set in Boston, you might just have to eat that Boston one to get the uh, to get the good one against, I don't know, you know, Tampa Bay or something like that. Um, because, you know, you, you can't be picky and choose. You can't be, you can't be picking and choosing in the AL. There's Who are you going to put in? Like, you're not going to have Joey Rickard, who's a, supposed to be his uh, his platoon option anyway. You just kind of take it and hope that they don't uh, let him get too many bad at-bats against lefties and almost protect the batting average that way. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of work there for sort of minimal minimal return. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's too much for, for certain leagues. But um, the deeper your league, the more you should be interested in that. And, you know, Baltimore turns people into sluggers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and roster resource has him batting second when he does play. And if you're in the heart of that lineup, I definitely like it. So there is some value. You just might have to take it on the chin a little bit with, with some of his lefty plate appearances in the league types where you're going to get sets. Who's their, who, what's their rotation like now? They, Gossman, okay. We, we both like him a little bit. Tillman, Tillman Gossman, all right. Bundy. I like Miley, the first three right. Ubaldo's back Miley in. Ubaldo. Ubaldo's yep. back in. Unless, you know who they should sign? Jorge De La Rosa. Who? Oh, that would be such a Boston signing. Uh, you mean Baltimore? Baltimore. Yes. Yeah, it would be a Baltimore signing, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be very Baltimore. I, think, I mean, it'd be, what is that? How many lefties is that? That only gives him just Miley in him, right? That'd be two. Yeah. And, and he could take Miley. He's proven that he can pitch in that sort of environment. Yeah, he would take Miley or Ubaldo's spot, so it would either be two or, or, or just replacing the one they already have, depending on who they like more. I agree. He could survive there. He survived in Coors for years. Um, so I think he would almost see Camden like, huh, this is easy. I've been in Coors, you punks. Yeah. So I can, I can I, definitely, let's, you, let's, you think this is hard? Let's call a, let's call this because we're not even breaking these guys down today, but let's call it, uh, Baltimore signs, Jorge De La Rosa and, uh, you think they go as far as Michael Saunders or no, is that too much money? I think that Seth Smith, precludes them from doing something like that. Okay, so Logan... Is there a righty bat out there that they could sign to be on the other side of a platoon? Because they've got two platoons... Need a DH. With, ...with Smith... Oh, yeah, that's true, because Trey Mancini, we do not believe, will be the DH, and that's where he's slotted in right now. Yeah. I think I would... Uh, I'll give him... Um... Saunders would be nice, and if they were talking about signing maybe... DH uh, a little, too. Or Moss. If they were... Same kind of package that Kansas City's looking at. Yeah, they're going to be in that. You can that bring field. Pedro they're, back. I mean, it, just to platoon. I don't know what. I mean, I still think he could be a nice platoon bargain for for a team. Pedro Alvarez. Anyway, the, Baltimore is going to be. It's going to be really weird. There are still definitely at the back end, like twenty three through twenty five on a lot of teams in terms of twenty third to twenty fifth best player. Yep. A lot of them have uh, options. A lot of them are not very good and on contenders. Those are gonna like we're gonna have this weird late February rush where the, everyone's gonna be like, "Fine, I can't be the last one, so I'll just sign this deal." You know? There's still a lot of movement to be done. Uh, guys out there to be signed, trades to be done. Yeah, like we're not done with the hot stove at all. And I think uh, even if Jerry Depoto doesn't make any more trades, we could still see plenty of action. I got a few others that he did do. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna start with Malik Smith getting traded to Seattle, but we're not gonna assess him out there because he was immediately flipped to Tampa Bay. 
for Drew Smiley. And those are the two principles. The deal is is bigger than that, but we're really focused on on those two because Malik Smith, kind of similar to to Gerard Dyson, although much the, the much younger version of him. I think he'll he'll have a similar path. It'll take him a real long time to get much much traction. He's going to, you know, back up all three outfield positions, be there when Kiermaier's hurt. Um, and uh, That's a big part of it, right, is that they didn't have a backup center fielder that they felt they could trust if anything happened to Kiermaier, and he did get hurt last year. So now they have somebody they can actually put out there. Oh, we did this again. On our depth chats, we have all the lefties in left field and the righties in right field. So there's Colby Rasmus and Malik Smith. Uh, in left and in, in Salza and Matuk in right. Um, it's probably going to be uh, Matuk and Rasmus, Rasmus together and then yep. Sousa and Sousa Phone and, uh, and Malik's together. So there you go. Double platoons. Uh, it's, he's, he's, he's the left-hander, but I still think he'll get the wrong side of the platoon. And um, I'm not sure he's going to hit. People, uh, Malik's hit a 238 average in 215 plate appearances last year, 16 stolen bases, but only 16 for 24, which not great. And also, you know, people were pointing out that he, he had the the beginnings of an Ender Enciarte. Him and Ender, Ender Enciarte had very similar first seasons or whatever. Uh, one thing I would say about Enciarte is that he was better in the minor leagues. You know, better strikeout rates, better power than Malik Smith, and I think overall just a slightly better prospect than than Malik Smith. So uh, Malik Smith might have a little bit more speed, but obvious who the Braves chose to trade away. And yeah, Enciarte's contact rates are markedly better. Yeah, and you put a lot of balls in play and you run hard, you're just going to be a better player than Malik Smith is going to have a league average walk rate. Maybe a league average better than league average um, at a league average strikeout rate, and maybe a better than league average walk rate, but maybe just a league average walk rate because if he doesn't have power, then they're going to fill up that zone. So uh, exactly, and he'll have to adjust, kind of like we talked about with Dyson. Can he can he maintain the the walk rate even though he's not a power threat at all? Yeah, we'll we'll see. How I'm that not works. that I'm not that huge on Malik Smith. Uh, on the other side, Drew Smiley is is a bit Smiley. of a he's a catnip for me. Yep, let's uh, talk. He's got really unique movement. He's got nothing nothing that has fade. So, uh, so nothing runs away from righty. Even when he had a changeup, it was a straight up down changeup. No nothing that nothing that went away from lefties. And over his career it hasn't been that big of a deal. Um no, for him the changeup would go away from the righties. Right. For his yeah. career, it hasn't been that big of a deal, and even last year it wasn't that big of a deal. His his big home run problem, he his homers doubled against lefties. Lefties started sm- uh, smoking the ball against him. They had a 1.8 homers per nine against him last year, against a, a 0.88 in the past. So, you know, righties went from like 1.35 to 1.5 or something. That wasn't really the problem. It was that lefties doubled their number of home runs against him. So. When he when I saw him in July, he said this curveball was his problem, and there was a weird movement thing going on with his curveball then with horizontal movement, and then it, it corrected after that, and he was better after that. The the caveat is better was a 3.95 ERA um, from the end of June 
uh, end of July to the rest of the season. And also the strikeouts minus walks got a little bit worse. But, you know, I'm looking at this for fan graphs tomorrow, and I see enough of a change in the mechanics and what he did to like him, even though I don't necessarily think his situation is any better. I think it's actually about the same. And and I think uh, we, we already saw that kind of written about on the on the Rotograph side with both Mike Podorzer and Scott Spratt dove into kind of different aspects of it. But the bottom line was this is not some major change. Yes, he's getting out of the AL beast, which feels good. But I think when you kind of start to really assess things and, and have an honest assessment of what Safeco has turned into – it's not that different. Yeah, you get you don't have to go to Tampa Bay, or excuse me, you don't have to go to Toronto uh, or New York, which can be particularly problematic for a guy with home run issues. But you still have to go to Texas in in July, and and Houston's no picnic. You know, even when they close the roof, you could still give up homers there. So you know, you get you get Oakland, which is great. That that'll be that'll be a nice reprieve for for the home run happy Smiley. But I agree with you that the net net of it is not drastically different he's still going to have to be skilled and it's going to rely on him i don't think the environment is going to fix his era smiley's going to have to do it himself yeah yeah i think that for everything that you gain um in leaving the al east you lose with the parks i think they're both uh shaving it a little bit because we don't know what toronto's offense is going to look like next year and um and texas and houston are teams where the you know they've got great offenses, and Texas might even, might even improve their offense. So, um, you know, I think that uh, yeah, situation's about the same. The curveball. Oh, the other thing that he changed mechanically. This is sort of amazing. When I saw this, I this this actually gave me hope. So when he was when he was giving up so many homers to lefties with his fastball location, his four seamer, he was throwing it low and in to lefties. I don't know what he was thinking. Dude. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. That had to be. I I want to say for his sake. I'm going to try to back Drew Smiley here and say that had to be missed spots because there's no way. But it's very red, very red, low and in, like like he was aiming for it. Maybe maybe he moved on the rubber. I have to check that too. Maybe he just had to move his whole body to to get to a new place. But then after that, um, after I talked to him in July, after that, the it's all uh, high and away, which is where he wants to be. High and away, maybe sneak some. Did you change him? Some. Did you fix him? I, I Is that him. what you're implying? Well. Breaking news. <laughs> Eno Saris. I did actually have a player. I did actually have a player contact me through his agent to, to, to talk about how he could use advanced stats <laughs> to improve himself. So I did Love it. I did do that this year. But it was a hitter. It wasn't a pitcher. I was really surprised that it was a hitter. But um, in any case, uh, Smiley, the one little piece of human humanity I want to throw in there was that – I don't know if people remember this. I might have talked about it on the podcast before. I walk up and oh, you did. we're talking about we're doing a scrum. Though. We're doing a scrum. And he's just found out he's still in the rotation. He's given up 21 runs in his last 20 and two-thirds innings. And so he's this is the worst stretch of his career. We walk up and I'm already I'm trying to find a way to sort of um, seem sad enough. <laughs> seem sad, like because I can tell he's sad. Seem sad, but also let's talk about this. Like let's, you know, let's just get into it, you know. But this B rudder comes thundering over, basically, you know, makes us have this scrum, and it suck. Yeah, he's like, does it make you feel better to know that the Rays trust you enough to leave you in the rotation? 
despite the fact that you blow. <laughs> you do know you suck, right? You're bad at pitching. It kind of a, it's it's like one of those questions that combines all the worst parts of questions together. It yep. it's meaningless. It's uh, untestable. Unme- it's like you can't bring you can't bring numbers. You can't think. It's not even an emotionally bereft. I mean, it's just basically shaming the dude. It's just, uh, and, and he just, his eyes went to the floor and he tried his best to, to, to answer the question. But um, once we got to mechanics, it was fastball location, being more unpredictable, and his curveball. And I think he at least showed improvement with the fastball location and the curveball. I haven't yet gotten to the unpredictability. It's a little bit hard to study, but I can look into some counts and, and see what's going on. Uh, but that's, that's enough for me. I, I, I see, I saw improvement in the second half. I would rather pay for a three seven five guy with uh, eight to nine strikeouts per nine. Okay, you know that's that's a good pitcher, but it's it's like back to that old Ted Lilly comp I throw on people, where you know it's going to give up the home runs and he's going to have the higher. That really run. works for Smiley. Yeah, when you think about it, with the home run issue, his WHIP is always pretty solid. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I think you have thrown that around before. I don't know if it's been specifically for Smiley, but yeah, those lefties who have good whip, but their ERA really kind of wavers because if they're giving up three-run homers, obviously it's really bad. If they're giving up solo shots, they can be in the upper threes, mid to upper threes. He's actually had some lower threes ones too, so there's some there's some potential with Smiley. I I didn't think it was the automatic slam dunk for Seattle that a lot of folks did, uh, just because I do have some worries about Smiley, but... I think overall you paint the, the, the picture that says, yes, there's risk, but there's also some potential upside. And so that should be graded out appropriately. I could see a scenario where he does get overpriced, though, because there is still the Seattle uh, love. Seattle love. And you say, hey, it was just, last year, 488. That's easily his worst year. Every other year has been very good. Let's kind of throw that out without really looking at the uh, you know reasons behind it. Yeah. I mean, he still doesn't really. I mean, he threw away the change in the second half, and he, he doesn't have a changeup, doesn't have anything that fades. So he's very north-south, and uh, that's always going to be homer-prone. So uh, protection is 392, uh, ERA 1.19 whip, uh, 1.30 homers. I would just say uh, I might I might pay for a little bit more than that. but Okay. Like in a mixed league, that's I think we're probably talking like two or three dollars, right? I mean, let me and see. He'll go for more than that, right? That's yeah. The thing. He'll the, the the name value will go for more than that. Another key factor of his projection is 149 innings. Health is is an issue here that I I think can't be overlooked. Even if you are confident of of something better than 392, 119, and actually that's kind of where I would have him. The 149 on the innings, I think, is is the part you really have to pay attention to, and 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 temper your huh. expectations when auction. you're bidding based on that. Auction calculator says 5.8 bucks. So there you go, something like that. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go much past that. In, in an AL only league, yeah, I would, uh, I'd consider him only seven to ten. Sure. You know. Yep, I, I get, I get that. Hard to get. Uh, all right, briefly, Trevor Plouffe, Santiago Casilla to Oakland. Either of them AL only factors at all? Because that's the best that they would be. So we don't even have to really cover the fact that they're not mixed leaguers. Do you care about either Plouffe or Santiago Casilla? Who returns to the scene of the crime, by the way. He came up as Jairo Garcia 
yeah. big name. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was with them. It was it was with it was with both uh excuse me, Oakland. I don't think he's gonna factor into the saves picture there though. They've got several guys. They got Madsen already paid, Doolittle, I think second in command. I think even Ryan Dull would get a chance ahead of Casillas. So I think Casillas really only a setup guy. And then Plouffe looks like um they they got him as starting third baseman right now with Healy moving to DH. That's Go that ahead. that feels weird to me. We have Healy at third. Uh, you know, Plouffe doesn't strike me as a plus defensive third baseman, although he's had a couple good years. On some, he's been sort of a minus five, minus eight. Healy wasn't supposed to be a great third baseman and was minus eight last year. However, he's twenty five. Uh, versus a 31-year-old. Versus a 31-year-old who's, you know, is kind of seems to be sliding down the, the wrong end of the spectrum. Plus, in terms of like what would happen the year after next year, you'd rather have Healy playing third in Bingo. 2018 than be sort of have a hole there and then oh oh okay sorry Healy you're gonna go back to third. You know what I mean? So no, I I, com- I completely agree. Like. Don't put the 25-year-old at DH all year and then say, oh, now you're back yeah. to being yeah. a defender. Definitely I, not going to DH him. You, that's where you stick guys, old guys. It's usually Lowry, Vote and Plouffe. So I, I think Plouffe is, you know, their first base DH guy. And, you know, depending on how Alonzo looks and if they have a, a, a February surprise in Oakland, um, which is not terrorism related. It's uh, it's related. Not WikiLeaks related. No, it's a... Uh, it's about whether or not they they sign. We we talked about them being in on Edwin, and they were. So if they sign another big guy, you know, I think uh, I'm not sure where Yonder fits in because I feel like Plouffe might be able to to play to a similar defense. Maybe I mean Yonder used to have great defense, so but yeah, he's not. He doesn't even really. I mean, that, that that's not enough to carry the day anymore. Right. So then Plouffe's offense is probably a little better. It's actually, it's tough. It's tough because Yonder has a lot better OBP. I don't know. They didn't pay much for Plouffe. And, I, you know, Plouffe himself could be on the outs if they sign another guy, I think. Okay. So AL only, are you putting more than $2 on Plouffe? No, I don't want to take part because some of the best prospects the Athletics have are also first basemen. You got right, Matt, Matt Olson and, and, and even maybe Matt Chapman still has a little yep. left, and then Mark Canha is not was not bad. So no, he, he had didn't he have big injuries last year that kind of kept him out, but he, he showed a little something with some punch and a little bit of speed. Like he could be one of those sneaky first basemen where you actually get maybe some double digit stolen bases out of uh, with the right amount of playing time. He went sixteen homers, seventy ribbies, seven stolen bases. And he had back he, in twenty fifteen, and he had minus he had minus defensive value, but that was also he played a lot in the outfield. Outfield, which is yep. not you know his natural position so i think he could be a good first base and yeah he used yard didn't like him at first base you know in 500 innings with however you know however many chances it's not chances at first base you get a lot of chances it's chances that allow you to separate yourself from other first basemen so it's different you know, it's the upper reach chances. yeah exactly so i i think that he could be a decent first baseman and he probably has the best bat upside among the veterans if you put Alonzo, Kanha, and Plouffe together, you know, Kenha, a healthy Kenha might actually be one of your better options there. And especially in a platoon with Alonzo or Plouffe, uh, because Kenha's righty, 
he's going to figure in. And then Olsen and Chapman are coming. So I, I don't really want to take part in any of this. I might throw okay. a dollar. If, if this is exactly how the team goes in, I might throw a dollar on Yonder um, just to see if he can hit better and if his defense keeps him in there and if he's the left-hander. He's the lefty. Yeah. He's the left-hander. And, um, you know, he's not going to play third, and I don't think Yonder is going to play DH. So he's kind of – it's all or nothing there. But it may be like a $1 util play there. The other guys. Oh, so then the big question I think is because we both have crushes on Healy. Does this hurt Healy? Uh, yeah, that's. That, I think I, we have to ask that. It, it's another bat. It's another bat that could steal plate appearances. A and then B. If he does play DH at all, then that does hurt him. Because you have the penalty of of being DH, which is what a ten percent penalty just just off the bat. Like that's just from not playing defense and, and sitting on the bench and taking your four swings, you, you lose 10% on average, right? And he could lose more. Maybe he doesn't lose as much, but either way, that's not just, the greatest move I, for Healy. I, I hope that I'm not, I mean, we, there's we, people talk about, Oh, you know, narrative and, you know, uh, do you do like your interview with them and, or your bias or whatever, but it was a real mechanical change here. And, it's so obvious if you just watch the game a little. You just, you know, I it's was like... watching some Jarrell Cotton starts last yeah. night, and he had some uh, very good games in Jarrell Cotton starts. And just kind of watching his at bats, Ryan Healy, he's so only, he's good. It only made me keep keep my crush going. Which, by the way, I, I totally copped from you. You turned me yeah. on. He's power I'm alley to power him. alley. He's really good at power alley to power alley. He doesn't. He's not necessarily traditionally patient, but he's. He's not. He doesn't. He's not reaching at a ton of stuff. He's uh, stays within himself, and he just he made this mechanical change. He used to load real high, and ha- and he he has a good natural hit tool in that he's he's able to hit with power uh, with good strikeout rates. So, you know, it's it really a, reminds me of what Piscotty did. Yeah, it's a good bat. It's a good bat. So, I, so I, I, yeah, yeah, his position is up in the air. Maybe ends up at first. That was one in the scouting report. Maybe, uh, you know, Alonzo becomes the backup. Um, you know, Healy is a, is a right-hander. There's a lot of stuff in the air. But Healy is the best bat of the crew we're talking about. So I'm going to still bet on that. The A's will need the bat. They will figure things out as they go along. But they're not – I don't think they're going to stick Healy at DH and be like, yes. You know, this is where you are now, who, permanently. Who just came up and, you know, basically tore the doors off the hinges as a hitter. Uh, you're going to be a DH now. So – Okay, good. So we're not we're not daunted by this too much for Ryan Healy. It could just move it's into a, some some more DH. Could give him more value because the depth charts, the, the the secret to the depth charts is they steal they steal value from people in little increments. Oh, absolutely. You put Yonder in there. You have to put Ploof in there because they're on the depth chart. You have to give Matt Olson and Matt Chapman innings so that people know at bats so that people know who they are and where they are and how. And every time you do that, you're taking a plate appearance away from Ryan Healy that you may not, maybe you shouldn't be because Ryan Healy is still is it's a sort of either or. Either Ryan Healy is going to get 650 or he's going to get 450. He's not necessarily very likely to get 521. You know what I mean? Yep, I think so, that's completely fair. So you know that that's that's it is better for us to use human beings to assess the depth charts because we can listen to what's happening on TV and listen to what coaches are saying, what DH, what the GMs are saying and all that stuff. That's, that's a good thing that a computer can't necessarily do. Same time, the way that we, we make these depth charts happen 
Um, it's almost it almost be better if we had one plate appearance each for a guy like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman because just you know, to say here they are, but they're not taking a hundred or five hundred or, or fifty. They're either taking appearance. one or they're up and they're taking three hundred. You know. Yep. So yeah, it, it's uh, it's hard to 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 be real scientific about that, and I, I think that'll give uh, that plus the the bad. Um, the bad projections for him, the the 158 ISO for for Ryan Healy, that there's still a lot of upside baked into his projections. Sweet, so I'll still be drafting him like crazy. Don't worry. Oh, God, let's get to the Don't. team already. Jeez, we are such blabbermouths. I know it's fun. We're not yet though either because we got to do we got to do email real fast because I really like this one and I, I want your thoughts. It's from John. Says uh, starting. Well, let's be serious. I never stop. But starting prep prep for next year's draft season. How do I determine if a player had a legit breakout season or just a lucky season? I started looking at batted ball data, but I'm having a hard time interpreting the data and determining if a player's gains or losses are legit. And the reason I kind of like this coming right off what we just talked about is because you look at somebody like Ryan Healy, who didn't have anywhere near a full season. It was 283 plate appearances, but it looks really good. Uh, when you dive into the data and then when you watch him, you pair it with the eye test that feels legitimate to me. But how, what, what are some steps that you go through, Eno, to determine the legitimacy on either end, positive or negative uh, of, of a player's previous season? I think barrels are a good one for a guy that if you're looking at his power, I, I would look at his barrels. Um, I have the average as a, as a bookmark here. The, the average should be really easy, uh, and I don't know why. I, I think they're, you know, whatever. They're working on it. They're not. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're. They'll get to it. There's a lot of Statcast stuff, and we're just getting there. But barrels. The average barrels is 5.4 percent. So put that in your in your head. 5.4 percent barrels. Solid contact. Uh, oh no, 6.2 percent is barrels. 5.4 percent is solid contact. Those are, those are basically. Um, your best outcomes and uh and if you're looking at a guy that somehow hit a bunch of homers but has below average barrels i think that would uh that would be a red flag for me uh ryan healy had a great barrel total i could probably barrels 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 on balls man that's what they told me that's what they told me that's what those royals when they were saying i had no sex hair uh, that's what they're, they're, they're saying. They're saying barrels on balls, bitches. Um, the the site is baseball savant. Correct. Dot mlb dot com. And actually, the Amazing leaderboard website. the leaderboard um, has barrels, so you don't even have to do a search or whatever. They just you know they've got barrels here. And so uh, click Statcast leaderboard right in the middle. Right. So let me just uh, do find Healy on this page. Healy six point seven percent, average six point two percent. When you're actually, when you're actually talking about these are decent samples because it's all balls in play, and all play appearances. That's a decent number. That's above average. That's uh, puts him with Kenny Spargus, who does have good power. Matt Adams, decent power. Daniel Murphy, uh, Jerko, Tulowitzki, Machado, right there. So nice. you know, it, and Sean Rodriguez is there. That you know, he made some he made some changes. He made some, it doesn't mean that these, all these guys are going to keep it though. So you, you, we're all still, you know, grasping at stuff, but, uh, last year, Sean Rodriguez deserved his home runs, you know, he, he sure did. And 
he could be an interesting guy down in Atlanta. I uh, I wrote about him during one of my uh, I've been analyzing ADP by position right now, and um, I linked to an article that kind of highlighted some of his changes. And if those stick, that could be interesting. So you look at barrels. Uh, that's obviously for the power. What other stuff are you looking at to determine how legitimate a, a guy's season was? Again, on either end, uh, strikeout and walk rates, of course, and you, and you kind of see how they vary from the league average as well as their their career marks, right? And then, so say you, say you look at a strikeout rate, right? And a guy has a lower strikeout rate, and it led to a batting average spike. Within the plate discipline tab, then what do you look at to determine? what's going on with that strikeout rate are there certain factors that you look at there like o swing or or how, how do you how do you go from that spot yeah swing once you found a batting average the first game? three there o swing z swing and swing you know it's just as simple if they have some track record you just want to see i don't think i don't i think swing is sort of agnostic some guys need to swing more some guys need to swing less i think that Correct. part i actually uh, sometimes i look at but i don't mean to i'd rather look at reach and zone because i think that's that's it's always better to not swing at things outside the zone and to swing more often at things inside the zone. So I think if you see that paired with uh, a change in strikeout rate, and, and especially if the age matches up with improvements in those places. So, Absolutely. you know, a 31-year-old who finally, like Jared Dyson, that's what we, ju we just talked about that. He's 32 years old and he finally swung at the, finally swung at two-thirds of the pitches he saw in the zone. That's really good and that's a, an improvement for him. However, he's 32 years old, and you'd expect those things to, to get worse in the future. But if Jared Dyson was 25 and he'd just done that, then I might be really excited about him. And I might have said to you, you know what? You're right. He did just make the most contact. He is finally being aggressive in the zone, sort of what we said about with the Aaron Hicks and stuff. Aaron Hicks was a little bit too passive. His zone swing was really low. When he broke out, it was because he, he hit in the zone. It didn't really work out in New York, but he also didn't. I don't know if he got a, a full shake, you know? I, I I don't think he did. It was sporadic playing time, and it wasn't that much. I, I totally agree with you there. Which, by the way, that could be a great segue because we're going to talk about the Yankees. So let's go ahead and get over there. Hopefully that helped you, John, a little bit of what you have to analyze to kind of figure out. Um, I think it's much harder on, on hitters. That's why I focused on that with pitchers. There's a lot of stuff that you can look at in terms of like pitch mix, I mean, the, strikeout rate. The projections are really good on hitters. You know, they're, they're a lot better than they are with pitchers. Um, and that's probably why we, we spend more time talking about pitchers in some way, too, because we can help you more there. A lot of times you exactly. can just sort of use the projection as a guideline. However, you know, there are there are certain things like with Healy, um, you know, we, you, if you could find his his minor league ground ball per fly ball rate, I'm sure you'd find a big difference there. He, he only he had one. He had a one to one there. And um, if you're looking at a second or third year player that had a big leap forward and ground ball fly ball rate. That's something that we always were waiting for with, with uh, you know, Hayward. And that's something we've been watching really strongly with, with Christian Yelich. And mm -hmm. Yelich has kind of pushed a little bit every year, a little bit, a couple more fly balls, a couple more fly balls. I'm not sure he's done it enough for me to say, oh, yeah, that guy's going to hit 25 homers one day. But, I agree. But enough for me to say, okay, I can believe in his, you know, 15 – 12 to 15 to 17 type homers and you know he hit 21 last year because he had a 24 percent homer to fly ball ratio in other words the power output for yelich was a little bit lucky i think based on the skills that he has he only has a 20 percent fly ball rate so yeah if he starts to up that if it's 30 percent he can still be a guy with good batting average 
and believable mid twenties power. But uh, I, I agree. So the, the, but look at the projection. I just I wasn't even looking at his page, and I just said I believe in him. It's you know seventeen overs, and there's his projection. So seventeen with a two ninety five. So the average is still there, yeah. but the power is coming back to earth. So hopefully that helps you, John. Yeah, ground uh, ball for fly ball, Yankees, and then swing rights. Those are big for me, and then barrels the stack has stuff. Yeah. We're doing our team-by-team breakdowns. We talked about the Giants last episode, Yankees this episode. They're an interesting team. I'm not sure that they're complete uh, 100%, but they're not going to make moves that I think would drastically alter what we're going to talk about. And in fact, that's what we're trying to deal with with these early ones is to kind of hit on the teams that are a little bit more set in stone with what they're going to do, at least with their big moves. There might be some small moves, but you look at the lineup, you don't see a whole lot of changes coming. Maybe the back end of the rotation, they sign they sign a veteran, maybe. But I could still see them going with the young guys. And then the bullpen is at least set at the back end, and that's all we really care about. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's start with the lineup. You've got uh, Brett Gardner, Jacoby Ellsbury, and Aaron Judge in the outfield. Uh, around the horn, you got Greg Bird, Starlin Castro, D.D. Gregorius, Chase Headley, Matt Holliday looking like the D.H., and, of course, Gary Sanchez, the stud of the group at catcher. Quick assessment of this lineup: Is this a uh, is this a division winning lineup or or wild card lineup or neither? I think you know we people ask about surprise teams and stuff and in in who's closer than people think. And to me, the two teams that come up are the Yankees and the Phillies. And uh, it's funny because the they both have a lot of money, which is actually useful because if they do end up having a good start, they're both teams that can go out and get someone. Correct. Um, they, can, they can keep the ball rolling. You know, they both have kind of high variance uh, starting pitching where, you know, if you look at the Phillies, you can have, you have Eikhoff, Nola, and, and Velazquez. If those guys are healthy and the better versions of themselves, then that's great. That's a great trio. And if, yep. even if you look at the Yankees, as much as you could doubt it and you're like, I don't know, Tanaka, Pineda, Severino, even CC with his with the cutter that he was thrown and and Chad Green, there's enough there where oh in season we're gonna go out and get Sonny Gray and we're gonna go to the playoffs. Yep. So if you get Tanaka continue to be healthy, he's an ace up there at the front. Pineda finally does what people keep thinking he's going to do, and he's not. Uh, <laughs> then great if he if he learns how to command the ball in the zone at all. He can be a really strong number two. Like the, the the base skills are there. So yeah, you're right. They can kind of move forward with this team. I agree with you. They are a bit underrated. I think it's weird for people to say that because it's like the big bad Yankees. You don't think of them as underrated, but I think this team's probably better than a lot of people want to give them credit for. Yeah, and then and even the questions that they have, other than starting pitching, because actually that's probably the place where I sort of look at them side eye the most, because Luis Severino does not have. Uh, I don't even know if he has a second pitch yet. And uh, CC is older than dirt. Uh, Pineda has the contact problem. Chad Green doesn't have a changeup unless he starts throwing that splitter more. Um, Adam Warren, I'm done, you know, waiting for. Uh, Brian Mitchell, I'm totally out on, not yeah. in on at all. Low spin fastball, and not in a good way, just sort of blah. There's um, nothing close at the minors that they can bring up. So any, yeah. any reinforcements there would have to come either with a small signing like some of the guys we were talking about earlier. Right. Uh, not that I think De La Rosa would be good for them, but that, that realm of pitcher or a trade, and I don't know that they really want to bust things up to bring in a Sonny Gray right now. And they do have like a bit of a money problem in that they're trying to stay out of uh, out of certain numbers. So 
you know, I think that they would rather get rid of Chase Headley and his, you know, 13 to 15 million or whatever. Um, well, he's projected for two wins. You know, it's not too bad of a thing, but yeah, he's, he's just a good defender. But I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of. Yeah, I, I, I got kind of excited when he went to, to the Yankees. Uh, it was a, a, a nice park, lover. and he'd hit 30 homers before. But, yeah, it didn't work out. Also, age would have been a good thing for us to remember then, I guess. That's uh, true. He was 30 when he went over but there. But Ronald Torres could could be their third baseman, you know. Um, and Ref Snyder's, you know, had some problems at second. But, uh, you know, Ref Snyder could then become the sort of bad glove utility guy. There are guys like that. So that's true. Uh, bat first utility guy. Um you know, there's there's gr- there's really good young players here. This is actually there is a young core here that could 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 really bust through. There's one or two players I'm not probably as high on as other people. Um, uh, Aaron Judge. Okay, I, I, I figured he was one of them. I wasn't sure if my let's just actually go. Hang on. So the bullpen. It's set, right? We know Chapman's the closer, but Tansis is there. He's fantasy and mixed league viable, I think. Beyond that, you're not really messing with it. So that's kind of the quick rundown of the team. Now let's get into some specifics with regards to targets that we like, stayaways, off the radar, and some impact prospects. Favorite target. Mine is Greg Bird. Does he fall in that category of guys that you're not as high on? No, I love him. Yeah, that's okay. – that's. Uh, there is a little bit of a question of – you know, people that have had this this shoulder surgery, you know, what kind of power do they come back with? It was a labrum, right? Yeah, and it's it's not like he went into the AFL and just, you know, tore the door off the hinges. So it, it, exactly, he he actually didn't do much of that at all. There was there was very little power. It was more of uh, he seemed to just be kind of getting his feet wet in the zone in the batter's box. There, he took a bunch of walks. Um, and, and didn't do much in 78 plate appearances offensively. Greg Bird didn't, but it was nice to see him get back on the field, get the feel, face some some major league caliber pitching or at least some upper minor league level caliber pitching after missing the entire season. But his 46 games that we saw back in 2015 certainly whet the appetite for what looks like, especially with the power boom that we saw across the league, it looks like 30 homer potential right out of the gate here. I really like 24-year-old uh, Greg Bird. I, I, I wouldn't project him for 30. Yeah, I'm not penciling that in when I draft him. I'm penciling in more of the, I, the 22 to 24, but I think the upside is there. And one of the things I do like about Bird is that I don't actually like Tyler Austin that much. And Tyler Austin is right now in our first slot in that uh, lineup in first base in the in the in the depth chart just because, probably because of health and just to be to be uh, yeah I was gonna say it's uh, health right okay but that's that gonna help sense. that's gonna help you uh, you know get the jump on a projections monkey um, you know if they're gonna use our depth chart projections bird is only put down here for two hundred and forty or so and uh, you know three hundred and fifty that I think he two hundred forty at first base yeah one hundred forty it's still an either or situation if he's healthy I think he's got the job. So I agree. So you don't have to pay for the 30 home runs. You pay for 15 to 18 homers. You know, that's on the low end, but it includes the fact that he had a bit of a power breakout. And I think it doesn't, the projections don't include the, the injury, but you know, you can say, okay, 18 is a reasonable number given uh, the injury and, and, and his power history. But, um, you know, if he's healthy and, and everything, he could be a 30 home runner. I think, Therefore, he's almost like a better mixed league guy than an AL only, um, because AL Take only you care about floor a little bit more. 
and the yeah. floor there is like hurting and back in the minors or you know back up and down trying to figure it out while they go with Matt Holiday at first or something and and in, and first base is a tough spot to play that game in an AL only yeah yeah and I don't I don't really believe in Austin though so in a in a in a mixed league you know to to pay like a 15th round pick on Gregory Bird it's not that much of a risk. It doesn't. It sounds like oh, fifteen. That's that's relatively early. I don't think that's that much of a risk, you know, because I, I totally there's a lot of people picking cheaper. There's there's been people picking. There are people picking worse players in the fifteenth round. So, yep. Um, you know, I, I would take that kind of a shot in the mixed league. Uh, so who who's your favorite target then? I it, it might be Bird. Um, I think Sanchez might end up being the best catcher, but you know, he's got a lot of helium behind him. Uh, he does, but. I mean, I think I got him. I, I am. You, you talk for a second. I'm going to look. I got him yesterday in this mock with a bunch of industry folks. It was a 15-teamer, and I was actually kind of surprised to where he went. I haven't been getting him at all because he's been kind of like a second, third rounder, like right after Posey, sometimes right before. Yes, it, there's, that's that's a lot of helium, man. That's but It's I a bit much him, for me. I got him at fifth round pick 61. And I, I, I've well, see, I'd buy that. Him. I'd buy that in a second. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I wanted to mention him because I do believe in him, and I, I think you know, 25 homers and a decent average is not out of the picture, and that's that's great for a catcher. So absolutely. Uh, Judge is 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 a kind of an avoid for me. So, uh, yeah, that's your, that's your stay away then. Yeah, I know he's big, but just because the person is big does not mean that they're going to hit home runs. You know. Uh, Kevin Moss was true. big and hit some home runs at first, but he was a little bit old for his level, like Judge. Uh, and uh, not every big person, you know, unlocks the the potential they've got. Uh, Tim Tebow is not going to hit 30 home runs in the major league. So uh, I think it's unfair the uh, the the Stanton comparisons that he gets from his size standpoint. It's unfair to judge because he has nowhere near that kind of power. Yeah, like he he just doesn't have that same kind of power. So he's got the great stature, Stanton's six here. seven two seventy five, but. Sierra Stanton's ISOs uh, since he started playing regularly in the minor leagues. In the minor leagues coming up, 318, 283, 224 in the in the smaller, and then 417. Those are just 417 dude. is what he did going in. Here are our judges: 189, 197, 159, 232, 149, 219. He never did. He never. There's not. There's no 417 in there. Exactly. So, so. stop for the sake of judge. Stop compare, comparing him to guys like Stanton based on his size alone because 6'7", 275 doesn't automatically give you 500-foot home run power. Yeah, I don't know. In terms of what I want to do, what I want to target in this um, in this situation here, this this lineup, it's it's hard for me because the, the guys who are good are going to be overhyped. I'd like the Gregory Bird. I think that's about it. Gregorius in maybe... Uh, leagues that have defense, um, although his projections for defense aren't that good, I think he's a good defender. Maybe Torres as a reserve pick in AL only. Um, you know, he could he could fight his way onto that team. They could get really bored with Chase Chase Headley. Uh, Matt Holiday has been getting hurt a bunch. Maybe Matt Holiday. You know, Matt Holiday was better than people knew last year. He hit the ball really hard in terms of stack cast exit velocity. I kind of like Matt Holiday. I think he's a little bit qualifies for that off the radar he's only 36 so he's not even i don't i think beltron i mean he's beltron had a really good season in new york 
Yeah, it's, and, it seems weird to say somebody like Matt Holliday, an established uh, past superstar, is off the radar, but I don't think he's getting a whole lot of love uh, coming over to the AL, and I think he could end up having a really nice season. I, I, I like him as well. I agree. And he's kind of he's the kind of guy, he might be a great pairing with Bird if you are going to go for that risk in AL only because Holiday, I think, is a little bit more realistic as a first base Um Maybe he'll fake a couple first base. I don't know. What's his eligibility? His eligibility is – I see first base on there, but I don't know if he actually has it. I don't think he played enough first base last year. Ten games. Like so ten games, nine starts at first base for the Cardinals. It's, so some leagues, yes. You'll have to Yahoo, really check yes. that. You'll really have to check that for your league. But if he does have first base eligibility, you know, a pairing with Holiday and Bird, you might get 50 home runs. And I don't even know who's going to be the 30 and who's going to be the 20 in that situation. But you might get 50 home runs and a 275 average for, what, 15 bucks? Yeah, it will not In an AL only? And, and it's, a, you know, it's a decent uh, idea to have in a mixed league. It's just uh, a lot later. And, um, you know, I think even I think Holiday is mixed league eligible. You know, 275. I, yeah, 20 average. homers in 110 games last year. Yeah. 246 average is completely uncharacteristic of what he's done. And he missed a lot of that uh, big that juice ball explosion at the end of 2015. So, you know, we don't actually know. We, like, this might be his new norm because the, the ball changed things, you know? Yeah, I, li- I like Holiday. I, th- I yeah. think you're doing I, – I think you're uh, on the right track there with Holiday. Again, feels weird to call him off the radar, but – for, for what he's been costing in these early drafts, I think he is a little bit off the radar. By the way, my stay away uh, is probably still Pineda right now. I'm just not going to pay the price that everyone else is. I just I haven't seen like I get I get the sexy strikeout and walk rates. I, I'm a I'm a recovering Pinedaite. Like I get it. I've been there. Uh, the he rest really, of you, he's a bit like Ivaldi, where he just he really gives up uh, really ropey fly balls. Devastating contact. Yeah, he gets crushed. Yeah. Within the same game of pitching well, by the way, too, he's, he's totally that guy who throws four perfect. You're like, tonight's going to be special. And then the fifth and sixth inning, he gives up five runs, and he's out of the game before he, before you know it. Yeah, you, let me... You know, your, your head's spinning because you're like, what the hell happened? This dude was perfect through four, and now it's a uh, five and a third, five-run outing for Pineda. Doing and a quick, quick query here. It's uh-huh. so frustrating. I need to do more than Tom Gorzolani allowed the worst average exit velocity on a fly ball last year. He Dave Cameron. He allowed the same, by the way. He allowed one uh, fly ball and it went 108 miles an hour. <laughs> so that's not a useful result. Detailed query there. there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. What, you know, one thing I do not like about the search is that they have minimum A B's, and I don't know what that means when I'm searching for like one pitch results and. You know, you you kind of have to like play with that a little bit to really figure out. You see, Pineda has 114. Is that, that's not ABs? Okay. Yes. It's really kind of hard to play with sometimes. I'm gonna go to 50 ABs. See what happens there. Okay. All right, all right. Here we go, Pineda. Where are you? Uh, here are the. Oh, yeah. There he is. Uh, this this is the worst average exit velocity on fly balls. I I, I selected fly balls as a pitching t- pitching type. Okay. Uh, Chris Young, probably out of baseball. Ivan Nova, uh, I think there was an adjustment there. That in New York too. That yeah, being yeah. in New York certainly didn't help, and that's where Pineda is. Marcus Stroman, uh, 
I think that's relevant, but uh, you know his game is so limits. So Pineda had 31 more fly balls, so that alone makes it you know you're like yeah, oh he's more of a fly ball guy, whereas Stroman can keep the ball down. Right. Uh, Tyler Duffy just not a very good pitcher. Uh, Tyler Wilson. I just I guess I'm now assuming that everybody named Tyler is not a good pitcher. <laughs> Because uh, I don't know who that is. Do you know who Tyler, Tyler Wilson? Wilson is a Baltimore? Uh, oh, good. Yes, he was not. making their prospect lists because they didn't have enough guys to do twenty or thirty. <laughs> we deep. need thirty. Yep, uh, exactly. Chris Archer, number six. Ooh, and that's you know his command was off at for big periods of, of so, time last year. That makes sense. Two pitch guy, interesting there. Uh, Phil Hughes, uh, not very good. Kendall Graveman, ground ball guy. Um, I don't know that I have an excuse ready-made for him. It's I don't know that he, I when he leaves it up, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he's that great. I think he's a he's a back-end real-life pitcher, sort of four or five. Uh, Hector Santiago gave up 159 fly balls, and they went 93.2 miles an hour on average. Uh, giving up homers too. He's always had home run issues. Then we got some relievers that nobody cares about. Nate Carnes is 13, and Pineda is 14, and Sonny Gray is 15. So. Uh, it's a it's a list of people who are gonna have bad years, and they're not all gonna be the same pitchers next year. So it's not a definitive thing, but you know it is uh, interesting to have sort of two pitch guys, high velocity guys that are are there around him, like Chris Archer, yeah. um, and um, to some extent Ivan Nova is, is similar, and and Ivan Nova got out, so that helps him, but Michael Pineda did not. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not necessarily as negative as you are just because I could see the home run total staying up, but uh, two straight years of the 340-type BABIP, I'm, I know that those are related. I, I understand, but uh, I just, you know, if you regress that BABIP at all, you can give him that same home run rate and he'll be a usable pitcher. But um, It really depends where he gets drafted, right? Because there there is a price where I would even say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll take another shot stupidly here. Um, and... I guess I'm, I'm be honest with you. Part of the reason that I go so ham against him is because when I dared to suggest that you cut him last year, um, I got a lot of hate on that article. And yep. guess what, y'all? I was right. <laughs> I should have cut him. Well, you I'm know, not, that, I'm that not always be... right, so I'm gonna brag one time when I'm right. right. No, but it's also it might be you know exit velocity on fly balls that sort of thing might be better to use in season than to use season to season. Yeah, because he could come in make adjustments. Yeah. And, and, listen, there's still a baseline to work with here. I'm, I, I'm not crazy, uh, and, and I'm gonna say that there's no hope for Pineda. If Pineda did figure something out, whether on his own or with coaching, or from just start a, throwing a, the change up. A lot more. I wouldn't or... be surprised. I'm not going to go crazy, come on here and tell you guys. I cannot believe that he has a 320 ERA with these 27% strikeout rate and 7% walk rate. I'd be like, well, it's about dang time. And, of course, he's not on my team when this is happening. Yeah, right. But it would not blow me away. It's just from what I've seen these past two seasons, I, I, I'm not going to put him on my team to get the 482 ERA in hopes of getting that 330 ERA. And so unless he kind of cost now last night in last night's draft, he went in the 17th round. Yeah. That's a spot where I'm willing to but be I, a little bit more interested. Picks, I, pick 244. But he was going in the upper teens rounds of drafts that I've been in earlier. So, again, it's going to kind of matter on his draft cost. I'm not paying pick 180 
but I will pay pick 220. You know, it, it, or, or 240. This was pick 244. So yeah, I think really he's in the top matters. 75, right? Just anybody with that strikeout rate has to be in the top 75 because in that projection. But he's probably going to be lower end top 75 for us, whereas you know he might be higher end for others. So exactly, exactly. Like, so you're definitely okay. a mixed league pitcher. Just wait, wait as long as you can on him because you know it's not. I don't think he's worth. Tanaka on the other hand is interesting because uh, he was he's been a back end ace for me for a couple of years. I've Great. I've I've bought him. I think I bought him two straight years, or the, last year in labor I got him for fifteen bucks. You don't get an ace for fifteen bucks. He pitched like an ace. And I love Tanaka. The one thing I worry about is that he he since he's done it now for for a couple of years in a row with the the UCLA issue. UCLA issue. UCLA issue. issue. The uh, he's got, UCLA. He's got, he's got a torn Bruin. <laughs> Partially torn Bruin. He got, <laughs> he's got to go to Rose Bowl and get that fixed. He's been so good for three years in a row, and two of them with the the thing hanging over his head. I have a, a feeling that uh, he'll go for actual ace prices this year. Well, especially and, with the with the ace pool kind of melting around him. Remember last year we were talking, there's 20 yeah. aces. And now this year it's like there's seven. And so now you're looking at those secondary aces. And with three years of work under his belt, I think you're right. People are going to start to jump back on the, the Tanaka train, and it, it could rob us of some of that 200, cost. 207 innings projected on the depth chart seems a little aggressive. So. Um, I think I might avoid every Yankee pitcher. Uh, Chapman, yeah, go for it if you want to pay those prices. I usually try to get a back-end number one reliever and a back-end number two reliever and a back-end number three reliever. I, gone are the days where I don't get a number one reliever at all. Those I do recognize the, the value of a reliever, and I do want to get a number one reliever, but I'd rather get – I'd rather actually maybe get Dylan Batances or, or right. you know – you know, was- He's again. This is one draft, one data point, so it's not how it's always going to go. But I was really surprised, you know, that I got him. I, I he just kept lasting, and I was like, nobody wants him. Like I get that he's not closing, but I got him in eighteenth round, pick two seventy, and mm-hmm. I felt like to supplement, he was my uh, eighth pitcher out of nine, and I I didn't I didn't go heavy on starters. I went with Jansen and Herrera out front for my pitching, and then Garrett Cole, Steven Matz. Kevin Gosman, I know that's a huge surprise. Carlos Rodon, James Paxton, and then Batances. So since I have some risk with those starters, I figured I would supplement it with 80 strong innings from Batances. Uh, and then Junior Guerra was my last guy. If he's going that late where you're getting him as your eighth, eighth or ninth pitcher, I'm all I'm all for it with Batances. Yeah. So uh, it's uh it's an interesting team because they always have so much you know, height or they seem so, I mean, there's a lot of people in here. So there's a lot of attention. The yeah. There's always a lot of attention paid to them. Um, but, but they haven't been, they haven't been good for the first time. So there's a little bit less attention paid to them right now when there's opportunity to be had at the same time. I like some of the young people. Like I really like Ronaldo Torres and I really like, um, uh, uh, Greg bird. And, um, I think that they're one of, Judge, one of Judge Austin and Frazier is going to be really good. I just don't know which one. Let me ask. I like. This. I honestly don't know which one because Clint Frazier. We, I've talked to him. I love interviewing him. Mm-hmm. He's funny as heck. He's perfect for New York. He's he's a great player in some regards. But we saw him swing over three straight sliders in an AFL All Star game because after he, he told me. He after he told me he's going to let it eat. I'm going to let it eat. That was great. That was like his first quote to us. And we were like, oh, man, love this guy. So I was going to ask yeah. you that impact prospects. Is he 
uh, we, I guess Judge is still a prospect, so, he, so he's considered in there as well. But some of their other big ones that they've gotten, are they too far away that we have to kind of focus on Frazier and Judge because Glaber Torres, Jorge Mateo, Justice Sheff Sheffield guys? Oh, I was about Glaber Torres, not Ronaldo Torres. Not Torres. You were talking not about to, I'm is talking Torres about ready to maybe make an impact though? Like, can he could he come up this year, Jorge Mateo? I think he can. I think I think Glaber's closer. Okay, Jorge. Although Jorge. No, Glaber's further. Jorge's Jorge. I think Glaber could come up this year in the in the second half of the year. That's why he's an AL only reserve pick in in redrafts. Okay. Uh, but uh, Mateo, they're already uh, playing in center field. Oh, um, so they're already shifting him out of the middle infield here. Yeah. So that uh, suggests to me he's he's but he's only played high A as well. So. Uh, but he's 21, and they're already talking about him playing center, and he's added to the 40-man. So I think he's a little bit closer. Um, you know, he could come up in a situation where uh, Ellsbury gets hurt. That would never happen. What Ellsbury get? Now you're just Aww. come on. Now you're just throwing out silly hypotheticals, dude. Next, you're gonna say Brett Gardner could get hurt. Yeah. Well, I don't really need. I don't think I even need both of them to get hurt for Mateo to come up if it's past, um, you know, June or whatever. Okay. Because Gardner's in center is not necessarily something I want to do as much anymore. No. So you know, if it's past June and they're competitive, really that's the kind of thing. In either, by the way. Really. That arm, dude. Oh yeah, he's that got arm the is comically pit. bad. Like, yeah, you can still go chase it down at 33, but mm. that arm, my God, it was it wasn't good at at 25. It's certainly not any better at 33. Yeah, but I could see them. I could see them being like, well, you know, because uh, Mateo might also not be as exciting in terms of, of of eventual upside. He might be a little bit more like a hundred ISO. Um, Big speed. You know, yeah, you know, get the ball on the ground and run. So they might just, you know, say, "Hey, what what are we really risking here? Let's throw him in center, and we're going to continue to be good this year." Uh, that that sort of thing I could see happening. Uh, Torres is just a utility guy. I'm sorry that I, I said that. I, I mean, Glaber is a is a is really so. Glaber is really interesting. Mateo's sort of interesting. Gary is awesome. Greg Bird is probably really good. So that's their core that I'm excited about, and it may take until next year. Uh, saying 2018 to, to really start to, to come together. I agree. But um, sometimes these things go faster than people think. And uh, if any, I think, honestly, if, if one of Frazier, Austin, and Judge is really good, that's a great core. Because you've already got Sanchez and Bird, and I'm, I'm counting uh, Glaber. So, you know, that's three young players. That's your kind of Jeter, Posada. I mean, it's not the same thing, but Jeter, Posada, um, Bernie, Bernie, I guess, and uh, and they have the money to go get people after that. So, and they do have some pitching too, by the way. That's that's coming up. Can any of this make an impact this year? Justice Sheffield, Domingo Acevedo, James Capriellen, uh, or Dylan Tate. Oh, Capriellen was down in the correct uh, in the AFL. He's 22. He hasn't played in Double A, but it may be one of those. How many in, how many bullets do you want him to throw? Exactly. Um, he could skip it, it'll be a, the track. It'll be an interesting relationship between how many innings he has, how many innings they want him to throw in the minor leagues, because I think he, he looked really ready to me in terms of pitches and how exciting he was. Um, at the same time, he threw 45 innings last year, so he does won't he have, have a lot of innings. Does he have a torn UCLA? 
he, he went to UCLA, guys. Just just so y'all know. Um, he I, he did have he has lots of health issues. So I mean, sometimes you just want to bring those guys up and let him pitch those innings in the major leagues. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's he's peaked at high A right now. Capriellen has, but like you said, he's twenty two. He might not have to go through the double A, triple A track. He might go to double A, throw two months of really good work, and then they say, boom, you're up. Forget forget triple A at this point. You're coming up directly from Trenton. So I could I could definitely see something like that uh, w- with what they want to do with somebody like Capriano. I think guys like Sheffield, uh, Dylan Tate, Domingo Acevedo are going to take more of the, the progressive track up the minor league uh, levels. What about you know anything on this Ian Clark and he was a first round pick from 2013 is he still a prospect for them of import I know with all the influx of talent he's really been pushed down lists um, I'm looking right now at, at one he's all the way down at 17 is is Ian Clark still somebody to pay attention to I don't know you're not you know, you I... know if he's Clarkin or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just another guy in eight ball, and he doesn't have the strikeout rate of the other guys you named. So that's true. He's uh, never been a huge it, strikeout guy. They they are they do have a little bit of the problem that the Reds have in that they have some guys that are in the major leagues or in AAA and good, and then there's a big gap in between, and then they have guys in A ball in short season that are good. Yep. Uh, and you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to rush somebody. If you're good, you know, I agree. Uh, it could be ca- their hitters, their hitters, their hitters are good. The hitters are close and good and in the major leagues. And they're going to get it really expensive if they start hitting major league home runs and they're going to get expensive quick. So some of these guys are going to get rushed. I don't know who it is. I, my best is a little bit Capri Allen because right. if he's going to be hurt anyway, but the, he also has the fewest innings. So, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I think a lot of these guys are going to end up in double A this year. And once you're in double A, you're, you're it's no a one, step no away. One even really, no one even really like bats an eye. Yep. You, you, you know, do not you have do. to hit triple A anymore. So yeah. don't, uh, this has been a slow adjustment for me over the past couple of years of when I'm analyzing prospects too often. I'm like, Oh, they've only been to double A or they're just starting double A. So they still need the full year plus a little triple A seasoning. Not necessarily teams are very willing it's, to bring guys up from because double A is almost as tough as triple A these days. And peaks are getting earlier and earlier. Yep. So you know, some teams, so there are different teams. I mean, the Cardinals will push you forever the, and, and they, they want forever. you the Rays, the Cardinals, the giants, they want you from 24, you know, to 30 with your six years. Yep. Uh, but I think other teams are looking at peaks where they're like, no, we think peaks are probably 26, you know, starting to end at 26, 27. So we really want you from 22 to 28. You know, and uh, and we're willing to 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 run you in, pull you up real quick to to get you in uh, uh, on our team if it's the right timing. So. I agree. It's a changing landscape, and I definitely think we we see some of that uh, with different teams. The Yankees could be that, so keep an eye on Cap. Capri Allen's the one to keep an eye on from the pitching standpoint. Clint Frazier, Glaber Torres, and Jorge Mateo on the hitting end. That's the Yankees. That's the Yankees breakdown there. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that, and and you're not drafting Gregory Bird in our leagues. That'd be rude. Don't do that to us. But go in your own leagues and and draft Gregory Bird and Matt Holiday, who we like. You know, it was great talking to you. We gave him we gave him a longer episode today to kind of make up for a little bit of a lull. Uh, I've got another episode coming over the weekend. Whether it's with Jason or not, it's TBD, but one will be coming. And then uh, we're gonna start rolling rolling soon here we got a lot of work that uh that we're doing here on our on our player caps 
and so that's that's explained the lull a little bit too but we're gonna start getting the uh the three four episodes out per week very shortly you know Have oh, a ask uh ask um ask colette about the smiley too Oh, I, of course I will. Ray's Corner. Yeah. We, we always have Ray's Corner. Uh, <laughs> okay. And he's got a much more. I, I'll 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 spoil it a little bit. It's not it's not the positive outlook that you had, um, and and yours wasn't even like over the moon glowing. So to give folks an idea of what we could be talking about on Sunday, you're gonna hear uh, caution, and and he's got. It's not just you know I don't like him or something. He has got reasons for it. So I will talk to Jason about Smiley 100% and see how he feels about somebody like Malik Smith. And hopefully Jerry DePoto gets a few other trades going. So Jason and I have even more to talk about. But if not, we will be definitely having a, a, a team breakdown as well. So that look forward to that on the weekend. You know, I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>